So today we are going to continue talking about how to hit the reset button, how to reprioritize, reorganize our lives spiritually as we go into this new year. And so back in the 60s, Walter Mischel, a Stanford professor, he created this test to see how various four-year-olds would actually respond to being left alone with a marshmallow for 15 minutes. They had instructions. They could go ahead and eat it if they wanted. But if they didn't eat it, they waited. After 15 minutes, they would get two marshmallows. Take a look at this real quick. Sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Oh, it smells really good. It's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. <laughs> What did you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> so 
when they originally did this test with little kids in the 60s, they actually, they followed those children as they grew older. They're actually in their 60s now. And here's what they found, that these preschoolers who waited, the preschoolers that waited the longest to, or waited to get the two um, marshmallows, they had less substance abuse, they had better grades, better at sports, they were better at maintaining strong relationships, they coped better with stress, all of this just because they had self-control. Some of your parents may be worried about your children right about now. The good news is, is that this is not an inherent trait. You can actually learn self-control. And so today, as we continue to, to talk about hitting the reset button, we're going to talk about one of the biggest contributors to personal as well as spiritual success, and that is your, my, self-control. I, I, the truth is there's not any of us here that don't struggle with self-control or willpower, um, self-discipline in some area of our lives. It's, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not glorious or anything. It's simple. It's just control yourself, right? Well, if it was that easy, we would all do that. You know, it could be as easy as saying no to the Oreo, that, no to that extra Christmas cookie, no to the extra half hour of Netflix or whatever it is. But the thing is, is or it could be as, as significant as staying sober, sexual purity, spending time in the scriptures. Actually, being self-disciplined is, it's one of the most difficult things about being human that we experience. And so self-control is defined like this. It is, I don't know, simply put, it's that that important and, and nearly impossible sometimes, that thing of keeping control of ourselves, maintaining our own own passions, saying yes to what's good for us and saying no to what we know is bad for us. And it's also saying yes to what you know uh, is, is good for you and saying no to what you know is wrong. It's right and wrong too. And Apostle Paul struggled with this as well. In Romans 7.15, Paul struggled with this. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. See, even Paul understood that there's this conflict that goes on on the inside of us. And then in verse 18, he says, Because I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Am I the only one that can relate to Paul here? This is the same guy that told us in Galatians 5 what the fruit of the Spirit is. This is what we all really want. It's the manifestation of what your spirit is like when it's in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit that that would produce. And Paul tells us that the fruit of our spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what else? There he says it, self-control. And so we know that in a healthy, successful state, you have, I have self-control, but we also know that self-control is not easy. I mean, just in our everyday lives, you know, the people who lack self-control are the people who struggle to be successful in life. Proverbs 25 says it this way, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So we want this fruit of the spirit of self-control. We don't want to be like a city with broken down walls. We don't want that. But all of us, we all face temptations in our lives. They're different usually, 
But the reason that we have this problem with self-control, I believe, is because we are all trying to better ourselves, watch this, from the outside in, as opposed to from the inside out. We set goals at the beginning of the year, which is good. We try harder, which is also good. However, when we try to use this just the brute force willpower to motivate ourselves, that usually doesn't work. Willpower is a powerful force, and we need that. But it, listen, it is an awful motivator. See, without in, some kind of internal motivation, empowerment, internal drive, most of us struggle in different areas of our lives with self-control. I mean, we all have at least one area that we really struggle with, that we really have to fight with. And if we don't figure out how to gain a mastery of our own lives, we're going to look back and we're going to regret things. And, and at the end of our lives, we're going to wish we had been more intentional more, and had more self-control. When we struggle to accomplish the things that we know we should do or we want to do be, because of things like lack of discipline, it's an issue. And, we, and, and at that point, we have to realize what self-control can do in our life. And look, this is what I'm going to tackle today. Because... If we're going to reset our lives, and this year is going to be better than last year, we all have to take our self-control up a notch. And we've got to overcome our self-centered nature, our temptations. And the truth is, even Jesus dealt with temptations. And we think of him as God, which he was, you know, and, but we think that he, he didn't have to deal with the struggles that I go through and the temptations that we did. I mean, he was God. But the thing that we don't realize sometimes is that God, Jesus was not only God, but he was also 100% man. In Luke chapter 2, uh, Jesus, it says that Jesus, watch this, he grew in wisdom. In stature, we understood he grew physically. He grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. So we know he grew in stature, but it also says Jesus had to develop wisdom. So Jesus had to learn just like you and I do. He had to figure things out. He had to figure out his calling. He had to go through everything that we go through. Look at Hebrews 4.15. It says, we do not have a high priest, that's talking about Jesus, that can't empathize with our weaknesses. In other words, he went through those. But we have one that has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he didn't sin. You see, Jesus had to overcome temptations. He had to develop self-discipline, willpower, self-control, just like you do, just like I do. Because he had to do it in a human's body, with a human's mind, and with all of its weaknesses and all of its internal tensions and battles, just like you do, just like I do. And we know that Jesus had unmatched self-control, though, right? I mean, even the apostle uh, Peter quoted the, uh, a prophecy that had come true about Jesus that says, uh, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So we know that he had so much self-control that even in Luke 22, before he went to the cross, he prayed in anguish and he, he prayed so earnestly that sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now that's some serious self-control because he knew death was coming to him and it was so, and it was so heavy and then in Matthew 26, when he's on the cross, when he's there, he says, Do you not think I can call on my father and he will not at once put at disposal more than 12 legions of angels? He could have, in a moment, he could have called down these angels and it would have been over. 
but he had self-control that would allow him to complete his assignment, his purpose, his destiny in the midst of temptation. And of course, the pinnacle of his self-control was Philippians 2.8 that says, and being found in appearance as a man, okay, we understand that, all the same temptations, all the same battles that we have and more, it says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even on a cross. Self-control. So if self-control's Self-control is one of the key ingredients to our success in every area of our lives. And if Jesus had to operate in a human body just like we do, human emotions, human temptations, and he was able to overcome them as a man, then what we want to do is dig in just a little bit. I want to show you one of the keys that I believe helped Jesus in his success of self-control and self-discipline. How did Jesus set himself up for his purpose and his calling, where he could say no for the, to the things that he knew would destroy him and yes to the things that would bring him success in his purpose and his mission and calling here on earth. There is something that Jesus did at the beginning of his ministry. When he first started out, he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And when he was baptized, a dove came down on him and a voice from heaven comes out and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And everybody there heard it because they tell us about it later in the Bible. So after his baptism in Matthew 4, it says at that point, he's beginning his ministry. And it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would say so. So this is Jesus. And what's happening is he has to go through this temptation in the wilderness to know without a doubt he could stand strong in the face of temptation because he would be tempted throughout his life. His whole ministry would be riddled with massive temptations as the son of God with this huge destiny that he had. And he would have to have an, an amazing self-control in order to follow his mission to, to save all of mankind. But he would experience temptations, I want you to get this, just like you and I do. And he would overcome them just like you and I do. And so if he had to operate like a human, like we do, living in the same temptations, in the same human body, with the same propensity to give in to temptations, just like we do, if we can figure out how he overcame it, then we ourselves can develop that same self-control, self-discipline, and willpower that we all desire in order to lead better lives, more productive lives, successful lives, lives that we are proud of, that God is proud of, and ultimately... Lives that fulfill our personal destiny and calling and our mandate as a group. The, the great commission to share Jesus with everybody. So, what was Jesus' secret? I want to read on. In Matthew 4.3, so after Jesus has been in the wilderness and he's been fasting, he hasn't been eating for 40 days, and it says that he's hungry, and then the tempter who we know to be Satan, the tempter comes to him and he actually says, if you're the son of God. Now, that's a key right there. He said, if you're the son of God, we'll come back to that. But he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become, to become bread. And so although Jesus' fasting created this intense desire for food, it created something else. The willpower to withstand temptations of the devil. 
when Satan tempted him with the idea of turning stones into bread, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, quotes the word of God, and he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what is happening here is that by fasting, Jesus demonstrated his faith in the fact that true nourishment actually comes from God. See, Jesus had that internal motivation and fortitude that we all desire, and he had developed that. And by doing that, he, he acknowledged God as the sole source of his strength as opposed to himself. Now, this is what Jesus knew here, is that trying to create self-control from the outside in, just white-knuckling everything and just doing your best, is flawed at best. And you and I know that. But here's what Jesus knew is that fasting creates self-control from the inside out. Fasting will create self-control from the inside out. See, the reason that Jesus was able to have the willpower to not eat that bread at the end of 40 days, but quote the word of God instead, is because he had been practicing self-control from the inside out by fasting. It's kind of like going to the gym. When I go to the gym, I'm actually practicing overcoming resistance so that when I get in my daily life and I need to pick up something heavy or I need strength in an area, what I've done is I've created a situation in the gym where I am practicing picking up those things because I know in the future that I will actually need strength. So what I'm doing is I'm intentionally creating resistance so that I can be strong. So when you're fasting, you're doing the same thing. You're, intense, you're intentionally creating a situation where you have to say no to yourself. You're practicing self-discipline, self-control, self-discipline, willpower. But you're not trying to create it in the moment you need it. You're doing it ahead of time from the inside out. So fasting has a lot of benefits, but one of the things that it has is that you are creating self-control from the inside out. So later when you need it, it will be there. And if studies are true and self-control is one of the factors of our, of our future success, how important is it that we practice self-control for our future success? Just like when you go to the gym, it creates health. So does when you fast, it creates spiritual health through your own self-control, but from the inside out. You see, what's important for you to remember is that fasting creates self-control from the inside out, which is where you want it to come from. All right? So now, in these, in these accounts of these temptations with Jesus, the devil didn't leave him alone after this first time. He actually comes back to him, and he tempts him again. And in verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city, that would be Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So he is on top of the temple, and the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, there it is again, throw yourself down, for it is written. And here's what's interesting. Satan actually quotes scripture to Jesus. Just because somebody can quote scripture doesn't mean that they're godly, okay? He says, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That was actually scripture. But here's my question. Why would Jesus want to jump off the temple in Jerusalem? Like at first glance, that doesn't make sense that that would be a temptation, I mean, that's easy, like Satan, mm, nope, don't think I'm doing that. But here's the thing. <clears throat> At the beginning of the first two temptations, he asks him these, this specific thing. If you are the son of God, turn rocks into bread or throw yourself down. 
many times our temptations come from a question of not necessarily what you do. The temptation is, who are you? We're going to get into this, you know, in another series. But here's the thing. Our actions are derived from the image of we have of ourselves. See, you act in accordance with how you see yourself. So what we're trying to do is create self-control from the inside out. And so then the question is, who are you? See, this is why the devil questioned Jesus as to, if you are the son of God, then this. Well, if you're the son of God, I mean, are you pure love? Is everything that you do motivated by love if you know you're the son of God? Yes. The temptation was, are you really the son of God? But Jesus knew who he was. It's interesting that Satan says, if you're God, then he gave him the temptation. Because at the very core of temptation is the question, who am I? Are you a good father? Are you a good mother? Then you might not do this or you might not do that. That's, see, but Satan's temptation for us is not, are you God? But it will always strike at the heart of, who are you? What is your character? Who are you? Are you a son or a daughter of God? Are you righteous before him because of what was paid for on the cross? So Jesus goes back and he answers them again with scripture. And he says, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan doesn't give up. He takes him to a very high mountain um, and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and, and their splendor. And he says, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And so Jesus resists him, quoting scripture again, saying, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So if you want internal, that internal strength and fortitude that you know you need and you know you want, that thing that helps you push through and do the right things and follow God in his direction, it's actually part of our spiritual growth that we become other-centered, help with the work of ministering to others, and that other-centeredness will actually never come without strength, internal strength, and the willpower that God actually wants us to have. You see, self-centeredness is the ultimate enemy. It is the nucleus of sin. Self-centeredness is the bait that Satan uses, and it was at the quarter of all three temptations that he used with Jesus at the end of this fast. But what Satan must not have realized was that fasting actually brings discipline. And a lot of us, we feel like, man, the devil's on my back. He's following me around. If, you know, if, if this happens and then that happens and then this happens. And a lot of times we don't have the strength to deal with it. Well, fasting can actually help you deal with that. James 4, 7, watch this, says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and then he'll flee from you. A lot of times we can recognize the enemy, but instead of actually following Jesus' example when there was a temptation attempt or an attempt of harassment or oppression, here's what we do. We go into binding and casting out and all of that stuff. Many times the issue is simply our ability to resist the devil and then he flees from us. And my friends, that comes by self-control. Self-control comes by fasting Watch what happened. After Jesus just resisted Satan's external attacks just by proclaiming the word of God to him, in Luke 4.13, it says, Now when the devil had finished all his tempting, he did everything he knew to do. And Jesus stood up to him. He resisted. It says he left him. 
And I believe that fasting actually gave him the willpower, the self-control to resist the devil in his life and speak the word of God to him. The willpower to overcome that you need to overcome the instant gratification. Here's the thing. Satan would leave him for a time, but it said he's going to be back. He says when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. So evidently, Satan discovered after fast is not a great time. But I hate to tell you that temptations, they don't stop. They didn't stop for Jesus. They just look for more opportune times when your self-control is lower. And so when you create a habit of fasting, your willpower, your fortitude becomes more and more strong. And then you can say no to the things that you know bring death to you, to your family, Say yes to the things that you know are going to be, bring life to you and your family. Then, at that point, Jesus returned to Galilee, home, in the power of the Spirit. And in that, what we want is just to walk our lives in the power of the Spirit. To return to our families in power, our jobs, our businesses in power. See, we want to be empowered in our lives to make a difference in the lives of people. To fulfill our destinies. So, here's what we're going to do. The last 21 days of January, I'm calling a church-wide fast that we are going to call 21 Days of Prayer. And it's going to be the 21 days from January the 9th, next Sunday, through Saturday, January 29th. We've done this before, and the testimonies are amazing. And what I want to ask is for all of us to do some type of fast together during these 21 days. It's going to collectively bring us closer to God. It's going to give you direction in life. It's going to give you the strength and the self-discipline to help resist the traps of the enemy, just like Jesus did. This is how he developed it, one of the ways. And so I want to share with you a couple of options, uh, different types of fast that you you might do. First is a complete fast. Now, this is an advanced fast. This is what Jesus did for 40 days. And this type of fast, you drink only liquids, typically water, uh, maybe some herbal teas or light juices as an option. But the second one is what we call a Daniel fast. And that's when you remove meat, sweets, caffeine, bread, alcohol from your diet. And it's just water, juice, you know, for drinks, fruits, vegetables, whole grains. And there are a lot of different versions of the Daniel fast, and I'm not going to get into all of that. So you can look at that and you can pray and kind of decide which, what kind you want to do as far as a Daniel fast. Then there's what's called a partial fast, sometimes sometimes called a Jewish fast. And it involves not eating any type of food um, from from sunup to sundown, all right, during during the day. And then the last one is what we call a soul fast. Now, this is an option if you're a beginner, if you don't have a lot of experience at abstaining from food or, or, or maybe you have health issues, maybe somebody who is experienced um, or if you're experienced in fasting, you're going to do one of these other ones. You could add that one on as well. But a soul fast, for example, you might choose to stop, um, stop watching social media or television for the, or shopping um, for a while and then slowly bring those elements back in in healthy doses at the end of the fast. And I want to say this, while we're talking about this, be mindful of any health issues that could actually make a particular kind of fast unwise for you, okay? For for instance, if you're a diabetic or if you have any other kind of physical condition that you're overcoming that requires a strict diet, um, 
make sure not to put yourself in a compromised position as a result of a fast. Uh, talk with your doctor if you're concerned. Now, also discourage uh, food fast from those who, who struggle with eating disorders that would, that would make this a challenge. And if you have any questions at all, like I said, talk with your doctor before deciding which kind of fast to, to go on. But what kind of fast you want to do is actually between you and God. And what I want you to do is to pray and ask him, so what are you supposed to do? And if you don't hear anything, that's okay. Just, just pick one. Maybe fasting will help you hear his voice next time. But, but pick one. And something else that I'd like to ask you to do over the next few weeks is turn in some prayer requests of things that you would like to see God do in your life during this fast. Or maybe in the lives of the people around you. I mean, it could be anything that God puts on your heart that you would like to see changed in you or even in those that are close to you. But I want you to focus mainly on yourself and your spiritual growth and, and your self-discipline during this time. And so we're also going to have morning prayer meetings Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. And then on Saturdays, we always do this at 9 a.m. Uh, and that will be here physically at the church as well as we will be streaming that online as well. Not on Facebook or YouTube, but you can find that link at lwc.org on our website this next week. And I want to encourage you to come physically, if at all possible. Come physically to be here and pray with us. If not, if you can't, that's what the stream is for. But make it, do your best to make it a priority to come here and pray with your brothers and sisters. And so that only lasts about a half hour to 45 minutes. It's not very long. We're not going to ask you to stand up and pray in front of people. But this is, I just want to encourage you to make that a priority in your life just in those three weeks. We're going to be praying all, over all those prayer requests that come in during those sessions. As well, there will be prayer focuses for each day uh, that we're going to give you next week. We'll give you cards with a description of the fast on one side and then prayer subjects and the focuses for each day on the other side. And, and so we're all going to agree for our church and for our community, for our nation. And then we're also going to have that, all that stuff on the Church Center app as well. And so we're going to pray for all those things during the morning prayer services. Now, because we're going to be having prayer services during the mornings for those three weeks, we're not going to have our normal first Wednesday prayer service this coming Thursday, okay? But I cannot tell you how excited that I've been about this fast and what God is going to do in our lives and what he's going to individually, collectively, in the lives of people that we are supposed to be impacting within our communities and within our neighborhoods and for us to be our best self so that we can be God's hands and feet. How powerful a church would we be if we got a hold of this? The self-discipline, the willpower to resist the traps and the temptations that come every day and actually carry out the work that we have for God that he's given us. What would it be like if, we did, if you did that and we did that? That God could create self-discipline my life as a father, in your life as a mother or a father, a husband and a wife or a, or, a, or a friend or a co-worker, whatever it is. I am so, I am very, very excited about this. Are you excited about this? Good. Because I'm asking you not to eat stuff for a while. That's usually not very exciting. But I'll tell you what, just to lean in to God for a period of time, I'm ready for it. I'm just ready for a reset. I'm ready for a reset. I think, I think that God is going to do powerful 
powerful things. And I want to encourage you in this, that uh, to don't, don't jump in and just go, you know what, I've never fasted before, but I'm not going to eat for 21 days. I want to encourage you, A, not to do that. Jump in somewhere. Um, and, and sometimes you may want to start. I'm going to do a complete fast for as long as I can, and then I think I'm going to back into, at that point, a partial fast or a Daniel fast or whatever it is. Uh, and like I said, if you, have, if, you have, um, if you have any kind of health issues and you want to do a soul fast instead, make sure, here's the thing, if it doesn't really take self-control, if you're a vegan, your fast should not be, I'm going to fast meat. You're already there. Make sure that you are challenging your own self-control. If you go in the gym and you lift weights that aren't heavy, it's not helping you a lot. You want to develop that self-discipline in a moment over something that is not so important so that when that temptation comes that's incredibly important, you have the self-control and the willpower to walk in the will of God. Amen.